Welcome to Strictly Business, Variety's weekly podcast featuring conversations with industry leaders about the business of entertainment. I'm Cynthia Littleton, Managing Editor of Television for Variety. Today, my guest in Los Angeles is Gigi Pritzker. Pritzker is CEO of Madison Wells Media. She's a veteran producer and film financier who has expanded her company significantly in the past few years. Madison Wells Media, named for the street corner in Chicago where her grandfather once sold newspapers, now encompasses television production, VR, live experiences, and more. In our interview, she talks about how she's been able to grow an independent production outfit in a marketplace dominated by media giants. Gigi Pritzker, thank you so much for stopping by to talk with us. Thank you. Um, You run MWM, which is a very diversified media company. You have a a lot of operations, a lot of fingers, and a lot of pies. Um, I want to talk about the. I want to talk about some of the cutting edge things that you guys are involved with in terms of VR and you know immersive entertainment experiences. But I thought we'd talk. I know your kind of your roots are in the film business, putting together, helping to finance, helping you know arrange distribution for films. The perception in the industry right now is that the film business is generally challenged. That the that that you have the blockbusters, you have Black Panther, and you have everything else. In your experience as somebody who's who's been in the business for a long time and, and has worked in this area, how do you see the state of getting a movie made these days? Well, having always been uh, kind of an outsider um, and not in the system, it's always been challenging. So <laughs> challenge is nothing new for independent filmmakers. Um, I think now there are different challenges. Um, the... Um, the advent or the, you know, building up of SVOD and other streaming platforms, you can look at it as a negative or as a challenge. I kind of view it as a positive and as an opportunity. The reality is we at MWM look at creators and story as the main focus of what we do. We're oriented around storytelling. And so some stories lend themselves to a theatrical release And some don't. And some make more sense for streaming, and some don't. So for us, we just see expanded opportunity to tell stories uh, in a variety of ways. But as as the specific of the question um, with respect to independent film, I think you have to be more nimble now. I think you have to be um, focused in how you develop and what stories you are developing and with what creators you are developing them. And so, yes, it's challenged, but it's never not been challenged. And there are certain arenas that are more challenging than others. There are certain budget ranges that are more challenging than others. Um, But that's okay. That's what we're in. That's the business we're in is challenge and difficulty. Right. It, it wouldn't. It wouldn't be as dynamic a market or as sexy a business if it was. If anybody could just go in and you know come up with the formula and have a you know have a hit have a hit movie. Yeah, it, it was never easy. Like right. I can, there's no over the 25 years I've been doing this, 30 years I've been doing this. There wasn't a period when I can go. Oh well, it was easy then. Well, how would you say in terms of your in terms of the business model for your company? You provide some financing for films and then bring in other investors, or do you typically fully finance all P and A for for the projects that you get behind? We don't finance P and A. Um, we develop, we um, 
finance our own development. So we have development um, in-house. We also co-produce and co-develop and co um, uh, all sorts of things. We love collaborating. So for us, there isn't any one way in which we work in film and TV. So material comes in, material gets developed internally. That then becomes something that we package. We then may take on a co-financier. We may not. Um, It really just depends on the project. And when we um, get into the the distribution pipeline on a particular piece also dictates what the financing scenario looks like. So it happens in a variety of ways. Um, We also have foreign distribution capabilities. So we're pretty nimble around financing, understand the landscape really well, and can be helpful um, to filmmakers on that front. In terms of foreign distribution, do you have your own sales entity or do you work with others that have feet on the ground in various markets? So we used to have, uh, I built my own um, uh, foreign sales operation when we were Odd Lot, um, and it was Odd Lot International, which we then merged um, with Sierra Affinity. So over the years, it has changed and morphed, kind of the, that's the story of everything I've done. Right. Uh, it evolves and changes as the business changes. Um, and then a few years ago, we found that we were doing lots of things through the studios, and those were worldwide rights. So it wasn't quite the same as split rights deals. So uh, we currently work with lots of different foreign sales agencies and studios and all kinds of different ways of putting it together. And how has, you know, Netflix and Amazon in particular have come in and are big forces now in the film business, especially that kind of the traditional kind of mid-range budget, not not the blockbuster and not the micro budget. Um, they're coming in and filling, in, you know, filling that, that market very well. But I know that their economics of what they need in terms of the rights can be very challenging for somebody, for an independent producer that is trying to, you know, that is trying to, recoup costs and then some. How are you dealing with the the introduction of streaming services with different models than even the than even the studios that you know are famous for wanting all rights that they can get their hands on? Well, I think that's exactly why about three years ago I reoriented the way in which I'm in the industry. Um, whereas before, uh, Odd Lot was really truly independent film production. Um, and I had a theater company that was separate from that. It occurred to me about three years ago as all of this was changing and Netflix was growing and Amazon was coming into the space that really what you needed to do was orient yourself around story and whatever way in which that story gets executed, whether it's film and in film, whether it's theatrically distributed or on a streaming platform, whether it's TV, whether it's immersive, All of those um, opportunities to express story are available under one roof with us now at Madison Wells Media. And so I think um, for me, that's provided us an opportunity to be more nimble and to respond to what the market forces are and how things are changing within distribution landscapes. Um, So we're not really dependent solely on just our film business or just another business, you know, the live business. We really are um, a group uh, that can express story in a lot of different ways. I think a perfect example for us is uh, Genius, which is the series we have with Fox 21, Nat Geo, and Imagine. 
originally that was uh, the Einstein um, property, which was ours, and we tried for a number of years to figure out how to tell the Einstein story as a film. Mm-hmm. And as we were failing to do that properly um, and not meeting our own expectations, um, TV started to change, streaming came on, and it became really clear to me that actually Einstein's life was too big for a two-hour structure. Movie, right. And so it was like, wait a minute, let's reorient this and think about it in limited series and once we were able to do that and rethink it and Imagine came on board, it became a much easier way to tell that story, and it became the series that is genius, and we just finished season two with Picasso. Right, and Emmy-nominated both years in a row. Congratulations. Right. thank you. So, so that, to me, is a perfect example of how we didn't want to be um, uh, standing behind technology or changes in the industry. We wanted to be able to be nimble enough so we wouldn't get kneecapped by that and be able to to pivot when you need to pivot. In terms of in terms of the way your company works, is it important do you have to have significant ownership or equity in a property to make it work for you? Because I know in television it's always been even more so than film, there has been almost a resistance to outside money. It it's been, you know, especially as the companies have gotten bigger and the conglomerates more vertically integrated, there's been a sense of no, we want your development, but we don't want your money. We want to own all all worldwide rights. Right, and I think sometimes that is changing. So there there are bits and pieces in the in the TV world that are starting to actually mimic the the film and independent finance world, where you can put you know foreign rights together to build a project that way. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, um, whether it's um, having a huge amount of the equity or a piece of the equity, or fully financing, or partially financing, or film, or television. For us, what's important is actually the package of rights that we have and the ability to take this material across different platforms. That, to us, is what's very important. Um, And the financing structure and the equity structure can be, you know, kind of a mixed portfolio, frankly, depending on the project. That sounds like a lot to juggle, though, you know, just in terms of keeping keeping it all straight. It is. Yeah. It is a lot to juggle, but it's it's a a it's a ton of fun, and I think it's um, for the group of us that are there doing it. It's really um, a completely collaborative by design structure, uh, so that our legal and finance and you know the the business side or the operations side is very much embedded within the creative side as well. Everybody's working to solve the issues of how do we get the best creators, get the best storytellers, be able to express what we want to express in the most effective way for us financially as well as creatively. There's, you know, again, I feel like I'm harping on this on the streaming services, but they are such a big force. Um, you know, there, there are some pretty astounding um, paydays happening now for talent, for talent that is in demand. It, you know, it's, it, it is a, it's an incredible time. For talent that is in demand, it's also a very challenging time for people to work within budgets and in parameters because expectations are now being set so high with, you know, nine-figure deals being written by Netflix. Is that a challenge for you at the development phase to attract to attract talent to, a, you know, an independent company at a time when, you know, when the largest companies are, are chasing after big stars with big checks? You know, look... I think it's always hard and there's always challenges, but for us what we have found is um, 
talent at that level knows where they can go and get a big paycheck, to your point. But what we're building is a platform where people can come and actually build wealth and ownership. And that's different. Um, and we're seeing that a lot of the talent that is coming and working with us and the creators that we're orienting around appreciate that. Um, and so, yeah, you can go there and, and get a big payday. There are limits to the upside. There are limits to the right. ownership. Um, and so ultimately, sometimes that's great and that's all you want. And sometimes you want to own it and you want to be able to uh, own all the rights along with us and really express it over years um, that's a different model. That's a different world. That's where we are. Mm-hmm. It is a it is a fast changing marketplace out there. Um, let's talk about some of your other the other divisions and other activities. I know you've been putting a lot of resources into VR right now. What do you think? I think VR is still a little bit of a nebulous market for mm-hmm. a lot of people, in, including me, who doesn't. I've tried those. I've tried the goggles. Oh boy! I just you know I I get dizzy so fast. It's it's amazing, but it's a hard. It's just hard for my old tired brain to take in all. What do you think? Do you see it becoming a more mainstream, more you know, um, more readily accessible type of entertainment experience for people? Yeah, I think that for us, um, the way we are engaged with VR and AR and just immersive content in general is um, that we want to be in the space. We want to get a better understanding of what it's like to be makers in the space. Um, But nobody knows where it's evolving or what the market is or when the market will catch up. So we're very disciplined and very careful um, to not get over our skis on it, if you will. So um, we're engaged in a variety of areas. I think what we're seeing is that a lot of the um, best use for this is in location-based entertainment. There is really a burgeoning market um, for location-based entertainment that is immersive and VR-oriented. Um, so we've got a number of projects um, in that space. We've got something with John Favreau called Gnomes and Goblins that we did a short, we released uh, about a little over a year ago, a short piece, and then we're now building that out. Um, and the approach for something like that is both location-based and then home install. Um, and there's Sony PlayStation and other places where people are gravitating towards that content in that manner. But I think the location-based aspect of it is really an interesting one. And it's interesting for us because it's the confluence of um, the technology that VR and AR has, but it's also got aspects of live theater, which we're also involved in. So we have a project that um, actually merges those two and is immersive theater. Mm. Um, And that certainly will be location-based. So Our immersive group is doing a lot of different kinds of work in different areas, some with established creators who want to work in this medium, some with new talent who are native to VR. Um, And so for us, it's really about, again, the very mixed portfolio, not being tied to one strategy that you go long on and then find out that the market shifted and, whoops, you picked the wrong one. So I would say we're being very diligent, very careful, and trying to build relationships with the makers in that space. Uh, and the the ability to be innovative and really creative truly in it is is what's so much fun. 
it sounds like a big investment to be into that into the actual technology to be able to to craft VR experiences or VR films. Yeah, I mean, we are not uh, again like our overall platform. We're we're agnostic. So whether it's a you know a Vive or a Hololens or whatever the technology is that we want to use to um, either port to or create the um, content in, we aren't owners of that. We aren't investing in that. We are really content creators. That's what we are across all of the things that we do. Mm-hmm. And so that's a different mindset and a different um, uh, investment strategy. Um, and so for us, really, it is content creation across the platform and including in VR and AR and immersive. Are you finding that creative talent like the John Favreau's are coming to you with, I've got this great idea that I, I envision being, you know, I envision a VR component to this movie or I envision a, a full-on VR entertainment experience? Are people coming in the door now with pitches like that? Yes, very much so. And um, there are also um, opportunities that we have with IP that comes to us through one portal we want to make a film, we're doing this thing, we have this IP, and then we have the ability to say, okay, well, let's think about it in a different medium as well. Um, so, for example, we have a, a show in our live group um, which does a lot of IP-driven musicals, um, a show called Red Roses, Green Gold. Um, it is the catalog of Jerry Garcia um, and Robert Hunter expressed in a musical um, with a story that doesn't relate to them, but using that music, which is the music of the Grateful Dead. Right. That show was done off-Broadway uh, last year um, in New York, and our immersive group worked with our theater group, our live group, to create a um, music video that was in VR that we then took um, to South by Southwest. And <laughs> Sounds like so, a perfect mix of... Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was the Grateful Dead in mm-hmm. VR. How perfect. Long guitar jams. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it was great. It was a wonderful way for those groups to work together collaboratively. It was an interesting way to express that piece of theater in another medium. Um, and the fans of the show really appreciated the opportunity to see that music video in that format. So we're really bringing things very much across the different pieces within the groups that are that are assembled around Madison Wells Media. Mm-hmm. Is there a is there a, a business model for VR at this point, or is it still very experimental? Yeah, it's very experimental, which is why you have to be very. Um, I think you have to be diligent. You have to be disciplined. But you have to be willing to take some risk. Um, it's certainly not without risk, no doubt about it. Um, but, you know, that to me, that's independent filmmaking right. from the beginning, right? right. You, you, you need to think about what's your ultimate goal and how are you going to monetize this. But you have to be creative, so you have to take some risk. Um, but you try to mitigate the risk in any way you can. So it's always that balance between, you know, creative risk, innovation, a market, where is the market, what are the opportunities. And for us, having uh, put this together, Madison Wells Media, the entire purpose is that this is a group of people oriented around being nimble, um, being able to take calculated risk. Um, And so that's, you know, immersive is is no different. But, yeah, it is is an area whose market is not 100% defined right now. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
um, you, you mentioned, you know, being willing and having to have an appetite for risk. As you talk to other financiers, and I'm sure deal with private equity and, you know, investors, we hear that there's a lot of investors that want to put money into content. They see the, you know, they see the booming global demand. They see the appetite of the big streaming services. Is that true? Is that a misperception in your experience right now in terms of, you know, the ability to attract other investors to to content ventures, to individual films or, or film slates? The sense was that the kind of the, the slate business had really tapered off in the last couple of years. Well, you know, I don't, I don't know if we were out there just looking for film finance. I don't know what the world looks like now. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly on an individual basis, there are a lot of people with a lot of money that want to invest in movies because it's always been and always will be fun and sexy and all those things. Um, we are um, right now really, I think, an interesting, and, an, and we have had incoming phone calls, um, an interesting play for investors who are looking at a bigger content company that isn't just uh, film-based. But, um, yes, we're finding there are people out there who are very interested um, because the world has changed so much and the ability to create content. You know, it's interesting. Our, um, our group is assembled around not just financing but actually being able to make the thing, whether it is the musical or the, the film or the TV show, So the ability to have both those sides, the making of as well as the financing and in some cases the direct distribution of those things um, is very attractive and is unique. Yeah, it is very, you know, it's rare that you have all of those elements in an independent outfit under one roof. Yes. But I think it speaks also to your longevity. Yes. How long, I know, uh, prior to MWM, you were Odd Lot Entertainment. And remind me, how long, how long? When did you start first start Odd Lot and in the, in the business? Um, so Odd Lot itself um, started around 1998, 1999-ish, somewhere in that vicinity. Um, but I've been, you know, making film and um, even before that making music videos and filmed content and and music videos, corporate films, you know, in the 80s, that was kind of the thing. Everybody in Mm -hmm. New York City, which is where I was, uh, building a small production company, you made whatever anybody needed you to make, mostly in video back then. Before everybody could make video on their iPhone, they needed to hire somebody. Exactly. So, I mean, I did literally hundreds of, you know, this is the caster on the chair that this company makes and we need a video to sell those casters so we did hundreds of corporate films which was great training because like try and tell the story of the most boring piece of equipment ever known to man <laughs> make, it, make it interesting right exactly so it was it was really it was good training and what was it that made you go into the film business or into the you know production entertainment business in the first place were you somebody who just grew up loving films and tv you know, it's funny. I um, I feel like I I didn't know going forward where it was all heading, and at some point you turn around at a certain age and you go, oh, that did all make sense. But I didn't really realize it going forward. So oddly, no, I didn't think I was going to always end up in the film business. But uh, I lived in Nepal during college and did a thesis on cultural transmission through folktales. 
So somewhere in there, stories have always apparently been important to me. Um, And it was a meandering path that frankly got me here um, because I didn't grow up in this industry. I don't have relatives that were in this Mm -hmm. industry. Um, So I kind of came here very much as an outsider and started in New York. Wow, that's quite a that, that's quite a rise, you know. Good good for you. In in start in obviously starting out as a filmmaker, but but blossoming into a business leader. Um, I have to ask you: Did you find along the way, especially when you were starting, did you did you experience sexism? Did you was it did you feel like people? It was hard for people to take you seriously or to get a meeting because because you were Gigi and not George. Yeah, I, you know it's funny. Um, I am sure that that happened, no doubt. Um, but I am stubborn enough and focused enough and grew up in a family that was very male. So I don't think I ever put it in that frame or thought about it that way. It's hard. What we do is hard. And so I just knew it was hard. And so, I no, I didn't get meetings and I wasn't in rooms I probably should have been in. I never attributed it to my being a female per se. Um, And I just figured it meant I had to push harder and work harder. But I am sure, looking back, yeah, there are jobs I didn't get. There are things I wasn't privy to. There were rooms I wasn't in. Um, And now, being in the position I am and being a female and being the age I am, um, it's it's great because I have the opportunity to help other people, whether they're women or not, um, to really bring them into rooms where they should be and be able to have their stories told and be able to participate, and that feels great. That's a, you know certainly something that, that I think there is more awareness and recognition of the need for that than ever before. And you know, to your point, there's, there have been a lot of, I think, smaller entities and people, you know, efforts by individuals to to open those doors and it seems like now there's that that awareness is so great that it you know that it may that it may start to change. Um, my last question before I let you go, what would you say, you know, given it's interesting you have, you know, you have quite a bit of quite a bit of material and quite a bit of uh, work going on. What would you say do you think is the most untapped or the richest opportunity in the entertainment business right now? Hmm. Wow, that's an interesting question, and there's so many different ways to go with that. Um, Or one of them. Yeah. Um, I think for us what's really exciting is um, we are, are, because we're in so many different areas, the thing that's really fun that we're finding really enjoyable as a group, and I am enjoying the challenge, um, is to uh, find stories, IP, things that we can really grab a hold of and express in a variety of ways, whether it's through our universe division, which is world-building, not film-first strategy, so expressing as podcasts or graphic novels or a number of different ways. So to me, it's the being able to tell stories in a variety of ways and build that franchise and build that IP up from the ground yourself Um, we are working with an artist from Chicago named Hebrew Brantley. Hebrew's awesome, and we're really working with him on some characters that he has to build that world and then to be able to express those characters in a variety of ways. That's a ton of fun, and potentially 
enormously lucrative to build your own franchise that you can take across your own system um, and distribute. So that, I think, is an interesting opportunity and an interesting challenge to build those kinds of franchises, being independent and working with the creators to own it together. When you think about, you know, if you put your mind back to your New York days making making industrial films about casters on chairs and you look at the media world today and the, just so many avenues for storytelling and platforms, it's got to be, it, it's just, it's got to be such a night and day uh, marketplace now in terms of, just in terms of how much things have grown and expanded. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Um, so I'm from Chicago and I live in Chicago, really, even though my company is based in LA and everybody's here. Um, and because I grew up as a film-focused filmmaker person, people will still say to me, so, you know, what's your next film? What are you working on? And it's so singular. And the reality is now it's gotten so, not just us, everybody, there's so many ways to work on so many different things. So it's really not what's the one thing, it's what are the many. Um, and that's, that's kind of exciting. I, I'm enjoying this moment very much. Great. Well, we will stay tuned, and we're going to look for those location-based VR installations. I'm so curious as to see who's going to crack that code. It'll be, you know, it's a, it's it's one of the new horizons to, to really watch out for. It sounds like you're really in it. It's being cracked as we speak. <laughs> Thank you so much, Gigi. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Strictly Business. <laughs>